The following is a dramatic reenactment. Hello, Lindbergh. <sighs> Hello, Geraldine. You look a little befuddled. I, I am. I don't understand why these sinful sinners and their sinning sinfulness didn't receive the gospel that was being brought to them by our pastor. What? I know. He was all like, this is the Bible, and you better believe it. He was so proud and confident, and he was in their face with it. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Man, he just was getting after it, and they would not listen. Oh. oh. Did, w was he at least wearing a Romans 116 t-shirt? Yes! So he wasn't ashamed at no, all. No, he wasn't. He was proud of it, and it was just clear that he knew what the Bible said, and these sinners just weren't listening. Did he, like, stab their, their necks with his finger as he pointed at them? No, but he did whack him in the face with the big, thick, leather-bound family edition Catholic King James Version that depict the whole family tree. Awesome. Win, win, win. Uh, for the Lord. <laughs> How we read scripture is just as important as reading scripture, if not more important. Hermeneutics is the art of reading scripture rightly. If we're not careful, we will read into scripture what it isn't saying. I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. And welcome to the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. Good afternoon, Brian. It's a fine evening. It's delightful. Good night. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> that was a terrible I, I start. Would, I, I, apologize. I guess, you know, in the podcast world, people are listening at all times. At so all times. Jogging, uh, working out, doing dishes. Sleeping, whatever. osmosis. <laughs> I, I've heard we're great for that. <laughs> I have been told we are soothing, but that means they could fall asleep. Oh, well, hey, so uh, thanks so much for joining us. We have a topic that we just want to jump right into today. And Taylor, can you read Romans 1.16, and then we'll kind of unpack it from there. Sure thing. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So for just a moment, let's talk about how that has been used in sometimes a problematic way, as you may have caught from the dramatic reenactment or you may have completely missed it from that poor dramatic reenactment. How has it been kind of misused or misunderstood? I think the focus has been on I'm not ashamed. And the idea behind that is I'm not embarrassed or I'm not hiding or I'm not shy with my faith. So I'm going to be, I think the term that I would use, I'm going to be abrasive and in your face uh, about the gospel and why you should be a Christian and your sinfulness uh, in the presence of an almighty God. Almost like a chest thumping kind very, of thing. Very much so, yeah. Okay. So uh, we want to look at Romans 1 in just a moment, but first, could you just give us kind of a 30-second overview of the whole book? Yeah, Romans is often called the fifth gospel because it really deals with the missiology of Christianity, and that simply means what is the mission and the goal of Scripture. But that can only be understood if we look at Scripture in its entirety. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that God is in pursuit of the redemption of not only creation, but also of uh, fallen creation, creatures, um, us, humanity. And he does a special revelation to the Hebrew people, um, but he doesn't end there. We see throughout the Old Testament that God says he's going to bring the foreigners, the aliens, the Gentiles 
into the faith. And Romans really harps on this, especially from Paul's aspect, um, not his aspect rather, but from his perspective. This is echoed again in the book of Acts, where how do Gentiles deal with circumcision and other Jewish requirements of the faith? So Paul really hones in on this idea of Gentiles being grafted into the faith. Yeah, perfect. Thank you for that. That's, that really helps. And uh, just looking at Romans chapter one, let me just read a few bits from this. Uh, he has the kind of the normal Paul greeting. And then verse five, he says, through him, that's Jesus, uh, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that come from faith uh, for his name's sake. And then he goes on to say, you know, uh, we're so glad to be speaking to all those in Rome. And you are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. He then says, your faith is even known all around the world. Everybody's talking about your faith. Thank you for your faith. And then let me jump down to uh, verse 14. He says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First, uh, to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So it's just obvious there just time and time again, Paul is saying like, hey, this is for the Jew and the Gentile. This is for all people. Yeah. So what does that mean for this verse? And I, I think if I could take a stab at it, tell me what you think all right. about uh, what Paul is saying is that the gospel and the gospel, a great translation for the gospel is just the, the good news. Right. You know, and we would, I could, you could say the best news, but it's the good news of Jesus. But the gospel is more than just a statement right. or, or just a list or the, the gospel is good news for all people. And Paul is saying, like, I, I've been to the Jews and now I'm with you, Gentiles, Greeks, Romans, uh, foolish people who don't know anything. But the good news of Jesus is for all people and all people can live by faith. And I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah, I think if we're not careful, we can get into this, oh, I have to defend the faith from people who want to corrupt it and distort it. And there is that, there's definitely that aspect of making sure that our religion is good and true and that we're not allowing, if you will, uh, secular philosophies to influence how we're doing things. But the conceit isn't that we're abrasive. The conceit mm -hmm. isn't that I'm an isolationist and you have to agree with everything I'm saying with every single interpretation, but it has to do with the good news of what Christ accomplished during his earthly ministry. And we kind of got to not be stingy with who we talk to about this and who we present this to. Yeah. And when we look at the life of Jesus, for example, in Luke chapter four, he's preaching and everybody is listening to the sermon. They're going along with it. Uh, and he's even saying some tough things. But when he gets to the part of telling the story of uh, Elijah, who during a famine goes to a, the widow of Zarephath and uh, does this great miracle through her, and she's living in Syria. That's non-Jewish land, and God does this miracle. When the people hear that, it says they become furious, and they take him and they try to throw him off a cliff, and somehow he walks through the crowd, and I wish I could see that. And that's <laughs> yeah. a whole other story. Uh, but the, the thought here is that the people would become enraged when they heard Jesus, 
include the gospel for all people. Yeah, there's something about it where we decide to take personal ownership on something, and then we fill that need to preserve it. Mm-hmm. And if, it's interesting that the Pharisees were very much, we're going to preserve the law. We're going to preserve, if you will, the Hebraicness of the Torah. And we're not going to allow any other type of interpretation. This is ours, and anything that goes against it, it, it can't be considered, if you will, um, orthodox. Yeah, Erwin McManus, a preacher out in California, one of my favorite, tells a story of going to a gym where he had to pay a little more money and I think he got a good deal from somebody. I can't remember that. Anyway, he went to this gym. He had never gone before. He always thought those people were a little bit snooty, kind of the rich kind of gym, yeah. kind of had that opinion of them. But when he finally went, he goes and he remembers the first time when he left, just feeling like a little bit better about himself. <laughs> and when he heard other people talking about it, he was kind of hoping like, well, I hope too many people don't come because then it would get crowded. Yeah. And just like how as yeah. soon as we go somewhere and belong somewhere, there's this human instinct to want to kind of keep it closed sometime to just us. I think it's one of the reasons that the Pharisees had such a hard time with who Jesus was hanging out with. I mean, how many times did we do we hear the phrase, and he dined with sinners and mm-hmm. lawyers and publicans? And the irony is that those are the people who needed the good news the most. I'm reminded of the story when he talks to Nicodemus when he tells him you have to be born again, and Nicodemus is like, what does that mean? And Jesus is like, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't get this? The irony is that the sinners and the lawyers and the publicans, they got the gospel, but those who had dedicated their whole life to the study of scripture somehow missed it. And we could get into the intention of somebody's heart, um, but I, I don't think we can get into that. Scripture isn't explicitly dealing with that in that moment. Um, but if we're not careful, we will think, oh, well, they're not even going to understand it anyway. Yeah. So why even waste my time? Yeah. And Jesus was not ashamed of the message. He was not ashamed to say, it's only through me that you can find salvation. And he also was never ashamed of the people he was talking to. And I think that's where sometimes we become even ashamed or fearful to bring others in who are considered to be the outsiders or the sinners or the enemy or whoever. And Jesus just rejects that kind of idea time and time again. There's room at the table for everyone. Yep. So I I got a question for you. Uh, So I've heard people say things like, I'm not conceited. I'm just convinced of the truth of the gospel. And that's why I am the way that I am. Almost as a kind of justification for their arrogance or their cockiness. How would you deal with that if a, if a member of your church was like, I'm not conceited, I'm just confident? I, I would say, well, why are you being so defensive? <laughs> it, because if other people perceive you as being conceited, then there's a problem. Yeah. And I, I'm not the one to judge your heart. But if people perceive you as being conceited, that's a major issue to be able to share the gospel with people because you want to give them a glimpse of Jesus in your life every time they see you. And Jesus did not give people this glimpse of being conceited at all. Yeah. So how, how do we live out this Christian life of not being ashamed of the gospel? What, what does that look like today? Yeah, it, it certainly could look like at some point, and depending where you are in the world, where you say, hey, listen, I'm going to preach the gospel regardless. And we have brothers and sisters who are thrown in prison just like they were in the book of Acts yeah. for preaching the gospel in the face of hostility. So I don't want to dismiss that part of it. No, there's a sense um, of bravery that comes with that. Absolutely, and courage that only God can give us. Yeah. So that is a part of that. And uh, depending on where we are, 
um, then you know there will be times where we may feel that. And I think of a, a teenager at school who says, "No, I'm 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 not I'm not going to treat her like that." Yeah. Because of my relationship with Jesus, uh, leads me not to do that because of the way God I know God looks at her as his child. And I'm thinking those are like these brave, courageous moments. Right. But I also think that the way that we live this out is to look for people that maybe society has turned their back on. And when I say, and maybe church culture has sometimes said, don't hang out with those people. Right. Those people are dangerous. <laughs> those exactly. people will, will lead you away being with them and not being ashamed to be with them because the gospel is not too small for them. You said something earlier that, that I, don't, I don't think that we've touched on. It's that I'm not ashamed of the gospel or you. Mm. Can you expound upon that and what that means? Yeah, because I, I think if we kind of thump our chest and feel good about ourselves morally, and I think that I'm better than you or I've lived a more holy life than you, then I, I can bring shame upon you in the way I live. I can make you feel shame. And that does not draw people to the gospel. It pushes them away. And Jesus lived this life where you know, he could be with uh, the woman caught in adultery, um, the woman who had five different husbands and was living with another at the well, right. um, you know, the, the tax collector who had cheated half the town out of all kinds of money. Jesus with, was with them, and uh, they wanted to hang out with him. And you don't want to hang out with people who shame you and who make you feel shame. You want to avoid those people. And so there was something about the way that Jesus treated them that drew them right to him, and they wanted to hang out and, and have dinner with him. And so uh, Jesus treated them in a way that never brought them shame. Uh, now, when they were around him, they were like, oh, I think I'm going to give back all the money. I cheated them and even more. <laughs> right. So his grace led to repentance, which right. is beautiful. That's what it's supposed to do. It, it appears to me that Jesus is far more compassionate and um, gracious to those who were not a part um, of mm -hmm. the, if you will, religious elite, um, or even, or you could even say a part of that religion. Uh, sinners was a group of people, and it, yeah. the idea wasn't that we're all sinners. The idea was that, no, they are sinners. They are publicans. They are tax collectors, as if they were somehow substandard species of humanity. And Jesus willingly brings them in and says, no, 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 this is who the gospel is for. So his compassion for this group of people uh, is oftentimes, I think, startling yep. because of his aggression to flipping tables in the temple for yeah. the people who are desecrating God's holy place and for those who claim to be the upholders of the law and yet he really digs into their heart and into their intention is this sounds kind of, this may be kind of a, a, a misleading question or begging the question but is that how we should be with, with, with the expression of our faith that for those who are outside of the faith we're far more compassionate and understanding but when we get to people inside our faith, then there's a little bit more of a harshness and a brassness that comes with it. I would say, uh, I don't know if harshness is the right word. Maybe okay. it is, but a sternness, okay. at least. And I do, I think that's First Corinthians 5, and maybe that's a whole nother issue or a whole nother episode, but where we judge those inside the church, but it's no business of ours to judge those outside. And that is certainly the life of Jesus. Like Definitely. He, he just went way out of his way to show incredible compassion. But if you're kind of an insider making it hard for the outsiders to find God's grace, if Jesus has to thump you a little bit to make room for them, then he will. So let's echo this back. 
Gospel means good news, and we as believers are called to deliver the good news to everyone who God tells us to, which is everyone. But we need to do it in an appropriate manner fitting to the person and the time at which we are sharing his word. Hey, we finished 30 seconds early Nice again. So we would love you just to take 30 seconds and think about Romans 1.16 and the gospel, the good news that we get to share with all people, even especially the outsiders, because we're not ashamed of the gospel and we're not ashamed of the people with whom we get to share it. Thank you guys so much. We hope that you've been enjoying this little series that we've been doing on misreading scripture and making sure that we keep it in its appropriate context. Absolutely. Hey, I wanted to read a review that we got. We love it when people leave reviews, and this is a little bit longer than we normally read, but it's so good, and it comes from Sarah. I need to feel good about myself, so let's hear it. (laughs) All right, here we go. (laughs) I started this podcast with the politics series. Political discussions usually leave me anxious, confused, depressed, and despairing. I hear you, Sarah. I've come to say I hate politics or I want no part of politics. This series, and specifically Taylor and Brian, intelligently and peacefully engage the political sphere with a humility and kingdom-mindedness that brings me a new hope that I can do the same. They did not draw quick over simplified conclusions, and they certainly gave nuance and complexity its fair place. Still, the overarching message that seemed to give the discussion energy and heart was the gospel and its unimpeded reach to people lost and looking for rescue. Amen and amen. Wow, thanks, Sarah. That That's really encouraging. I know that Pastor Brian and I, we don't think we have all the answers Uh, We really just kind of want to share the gospel and how we live out this Christian life to the best of our ability. I think it was Timothy Keller who said, because people are messy, relationships are messy. Yeah. So I know Sarah, and she's a friend, and we ran in a race that supported Black Box International last week. Oh, cool. And the highlight of the whole race, I mean, it wasn't even close. The highlight of the whole race was when she came finishing, she ran a 15K. Oh gosh. When she's finishing, her two little precious girls are just waiting and like jumping up and down. <laughs> and then they ran the little finish with her. It was so cute. That's awesome. Yeah, so Sarah, that, that made my week. Hey, we're so glad that you joined us. We would love for you to leave a review. If this has been helpful for you, do that. And please share it with others. Tell them about it. You can post about it. And that gets the word out. And if you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast place you're listening, the algorithms love us for that. Yes, they do. I don't even know what algorithms are, but they like it. It's this weird disembodied entity that inhabits a cloud, I'm told. I think so. (laughs) And so, hey, you can also go to brianjenningsblog.com and you can uh, leave us some ideas for the show that you, you have or some feedback. And you can also find my book, Dancing in No Man's Land. It's a book that's still relevant and you can find info about it there. I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. This has been the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. Blessings.